welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. I love the scripture in Romans 5:20, and it's summarized in a beautiful way. It says, Where there sin is, how much more is the grace of our God? God made him who had no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that wonderful? In whom we have the redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. And I said earlier, where there's sin is how much more is the grace of our God. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. You say to yourself, well, the apple does not fall far from the tree. I must be cursed. And the Word of God reminds us and it says that the curse of sin is broken. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Jesus bled and He died and He faced the most gruesome and horrible death on the cross. He didn't do it to get fame. He didn't do it to buy your attention. No, He did it that you might be saved and set free from everything. Every thought that has held you captive. Every sin that you have committed. And you can walk free this very day if you can identify that Jesus died for you on that cross that you might be set free. He did it. He said, Father, let your will be done. And so the curse, as it is written, the curse is for everyone that hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on that tree. The generational curse that has been talking to you and holding you back from your your dream, your life, your success, your presence in God, who you identify yourself with in the presence of God, that curse has been broken. No generational curse should hold you back. It is finished. He said in the cross, it is finished. God paid the higher price. The price He paid was in full. He did not bargain. He did not discount it. No, He said, I'm sending my only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. That you might be set free. He says, you are the apple of His eye. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. Your sins are forgiven and I remember them no more. So brothers and sisters, let's take another moment and not let what has happened in the past, your sin, hold you back from living in the presence of God. Do not take this cup unworthily. Do not take this cup with condemnation in your heart. Jesus has set you free. Who do you say you are? Who do you see in the mirror? I love the song. And this is, it's an old song. It says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. When you stand in front of the mirror and we look at yourself, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see the victory that you had in Him. Don't have the mentality of victim. 
have the mentality of victory. So as we come together before the presence of the Lord to do this in remembrance of Him, remember what He's done for you on the cross, remember that He loved you, remember that He's not ashamed of you and you should not be ashamed of the gospel and you should say, the Lord has saved me, the Lord has redeemed me, the Lord has set me free. I'm made for something new. He has a plan for me. And so, if you have your emblems at you, um, and if any one of you that doesn't have it, can you please just raise your hand so that someone out there can just pass them around. Everyone's good. All right. And so as we read from the Word, it says, This covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them and the sins and the iniquities I will remember no more so if he remembers them no more then you should not remember them okay and so as they were eating Christ took the bread and so these are the emblems and so let's just get them prepared uh, as we go along and and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, eat, this is my body. And when you take this emblem, remember when he broke it. It was a picture of also how his body was broken for us. Do not take it lightly. But take it worthily, without condemnation to yourself, remembering that Christ has forgiven you of all unrighteousness. So let us partake of the bread. Sorry. Well, let's partake of the bread together and let's do it in remembrance of Christ. thank you dear God that we could partake of your body a body that was broken for us we were not present Lord only you bore that that pain that suffering but you did it Lord that we could be set free you did it Lord for us you did it and you said let your will be done and you understood fully what that meant that we could have everlasting life with you and so as we partake of this bread we do this in remembrance of you, of what you've done for us on that cross. And we just want to say, thank you, Lord. We love you. And as he took the cup and he gave them, and he said, drink it all. And I love the way he said, drink it all. Because he didn't just want you to have a part of the blood. He just wants you to have the drop of it. He said, drink it all. Means he wants you to have all of what he's done. All of what he's done on the cross. And so drink it all, for this is my blood, the New Testament, which is shed for many, shed for many for the remission of sins. And I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth from this fruit until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I, I love that, the fact that he says, I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom, means there's a promise, and the promise is, that one day we will be seated in the presence of God. We will be in the, in, in the presence of His kingdom. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in that place, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will not be any sin. You will be in the presence of the most holy of holies. And what a glorious thing it will be to say, holy, holy, holy. You're worthy above all glory. I pray that this word bless your heart. And I pray that, Lord, that you will take this thought seriously and look and say, who is in the mirror? Who do I see? Do I see Jesus? Bless your heart. Amen. We can call upon Bill. 
Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. That's a great photo of you guys. It's a very nice photo. Well, welcome to church. Amen. Thank you, Prem. What a great reminder of how powerful the the blood and the body of Christ is. Um, Just got a few announcements before we start. Firstly, welcome to church. Uh, If this is your first time, please make sure that you're comfortable. You let one of us know so that we can uh, make you feel at home. Um, We do have a few QR codes that are just about to come up. So I think the first one will be, let's have a guess. Connect. We get in there? Connect. It's coming up, I promise. There we go. E-Connect. If you'd like to know about the life of the church um, or get some updates about what we're doing, uh, please feel free to scan the QR code or let us know out the front and we can grab your details. Um, if you would like to give, there's a few options as well. QR code up at the front. There we go. Great timing. Thank you. Uh, scan the QR code or give out the front. Um, by all means, give as the Lord leads. Uh, next, we have... Community Sunday next week. So that's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, Sunday Fun Day, is that what we're calling it? What it? Sunday Fun Day. Not that today's not fun. Today's very fun. But next week's also fun. So feel free. I'm never on announcements again. Mark my word after this. Uh, Community Sunday next week. So feel free to come along and it will be a great time of fellowship. Uh, And on the 12th of February, we're having our first Jesus night of the year. So 5 p.m. in a few, how many Sundays is that? Three Sundays. I could be wrong. Three Sundays, first Jesus night of the year. You don't want to miss that, 5 p.m. What we'll do is we'll grab a minute to say hello before Pastor Matt comes up and and, uh, shares a word. But uh, yeah, welcome to church. Awesome. Well, why don't you grab a seat? We're going to get into this this morning. It's wonderful to have you here. Our second week back from a little break, holidays, all the rest of it. It's good to have you here. And um, yeah, we are just, we're glad that you're here. And so it's good to see some faces we haven't seen for a while returning from wherever you've been, the wilderness or somewhere else, somewhere we went to Perth, WA, that was like the wilderness. Literally, not metaphorically, but it's just a big desert. It's quite funny because I grew up in Perth. Um, and uh, what's funny is, is my kids don't really know Perth. So we're driving around them like, is this just a big desert? Um, kind of the home of Australia is. But anyway, that's another conversation. Um, so it's all good. I think someone's alarm to wake up's going off. Hello, good morning. You here somehow? That's good. That's the same ringtone as my alarm. The most annoying one possible. We're going to go to Romans chapter twelve today. I want to keep really looking at our identity and um, also want to uh, spend some time, I suppose, just developing some of these ideas of. Um, like Prem was saying, we know that we're the righteousness of God. What does that mean? What does that look like for us today? How does that apply to our living in this moment? And uh, we've got to resist this urge to live in a transactional space of Christianity in the sense that I do this, that unlocks God's magical powers to do this. And we've got to come into this place in our faith where we uh, do things because He's worthy and just like full stop. And we know that there are promises. We know that God has plans. We know that God does miraculous things, but we're not doing things to twist God's arm to do those things for us. Does that make sense? We're doing those things simply because He's worthy and because people are created in the image of God. And so they're worth it. He's worthy and people are worth it. And so our motivation for what we do uh, as an expression of our Christianity, an expression of our faith and our life as believers comes from those two places because we can identify every single person through a heavenly viewpoint rather than our own. It's really amazing when you participate in God's redemptive plan 
for the world by treating someone like their redeemed self as opposed to treating them maybe um, according to their current behaviour. Maybe that's why Jesus encouraged the early church, bless those that persecute you. You know those enemies, you know the trolls online or whatever you call them these days, I don't know. I've got kids in high school now and I'm working out pretty quickly that the language that I thought was hip and up to date. See, I just said hip, there we go. Say no more, you get the metaphor. Um, they have really no idea what I'm talking about. They're polite though, and they're just like, yes. Um, but um, where was I? Um, but it, it's amazing when we, when we speak into someone's life based upon their redeemed identity, it's powerful. And like Prem was exhorting us to do this morning around communion, he was, say, he was ultimately saying that, hey, and this is where it starts, is it starts with us believing it ourselves, that the finished work of Jesus has accomplished a lot, has done a lot. And so we're gonna go to Romans chapter 12. We're gonna read um, the Bible this morning because the Bible's a good thing to read. Um, but before we do, uh, can we pray this morning? Father, we've, we've worshipped We've, um, we've sung, we've drunk coffees, we've hung out, we've done what we've done this morning. But just in this moment, we want to really still our hearts before you. We want to invite your Holy Spirit to come and do what no sermon can just do or nice message can do. We want you to come and we want you to move so deeply and profoundly in our lives. Lord, we've tried lots of things over the years from willpower to conferences to being motivated by different things. And we've worked out, Father, that they fall short from the deep formation and transformation into the image of Jesus. There's just not enough power. Our will is too strong. But Holy Spirit, as we lean into You and as we partner with Your Spirit, as we allow the Holy Spirit to come and change us, Father, that's what we're wanting today. We're acknowledging we can't do it on our own. So I'm praying, God, in this moment that You would come and do what only You can do. Would You come, Father, and would You, for the, for the backslidden, would you, would you set them on fire today? For those, Father, that are having a really tough time right now, whether it's loneliness, maybe it's a personal situation, maybe it's a loss, Holy Spirit, You're the helper and I'm asking that You would come in that way and bring peace and comfort like You do. Lord, equally and in the same way with the same amount of passion, I'm praying for that religious person that attends week in, week out. I'm praying, Father, but just their heart is getting cold and stale and, and, and uh, they're just going through the rituals of their faith. I'm just asking today, Holy Spirit, would You come and move in their heart too? So we just say, speak to our hearts, change our lives. And Holy Spirit, let the presence of God be made manifest in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Are you ready to read the book of Romans with me? Maybe not the whole book, but I promise you we'll be reading a bit. There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. We're gonna read verse one. In fact, before we do that, I'm gonna do this because um, I'm starting to master the art of uh, waffling and just going on and just um, starting to. I've mastered that. So I've got a life hack. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna um, get you to write these things right down right now or take a photo of them or take a note, note or whatever you wanna do. And then we're gonna get into the message today. The first thing, uh, Michael, if you could put it up on the screen. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead, bro. Um, is just that uh, first slide that says the sacrifice of whole self. The sacrifice of whole self. I want you to write that down. The second one, put it up, Michael. The living sacrifice. Am I going too fast? Oh, sorry. Go back to the other one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The sacrifice of whole self. We're going to talk about that. Can't go back any further than that. Sorry, people. Uh, the next one, the living sacrifice. I want you to write that down. Number two. Number three, the sacrifice 
uh, uh, sorry, yeah, the sacrifice of stuff. Sacrifice of stuff. And number four, spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. So we've got the sacrifice of whole self. This is pretty full on. It's the second week of January. We're talking about sacrificing. I have three goats that live next door um, to my house. And so we've got an illustration happening in the sermon today. He's missing one of his goats. No, I'm just joking. The sacrifice of whole self, the living sacrifice, the sacrifice of stuff and, and spiritual sacrifice. So let's read the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. And um, I've uh, just passed our, Michael, I've only passed you a few verses, but for the sake of it today, we're going to read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 12. And um, because Romans is just such a wonderful book. Romans is an incredible book. If I can encourage you to read anything with some interest this year, Read Romans. It will, honestly, it'll change your life. It'll change your life not because I'm saying it, but because the, the content is so rich and so powerful, you might actually start believing what the Apostle Paul is preaching about in this text. Romans chapter, chapters 1 to 11 exist for the purpose of doctrine. It's one of the, it's, of all of the Pauline books, he wrote Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Romans is a masterpiece in doctrine. It's phenomenal. The first 11 chapters are around doctrine and then the, um, from chapters 12 to 16 is all around kind of how do we live this out? What does it look like for the community of God, followers of Jesus? And so let's read this, Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Um, and uh, it's up there in the NIV. I'm going to read from the New King Jimmy this morning in my Bible. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse number three. For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members to one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use our ministering. If, uh, if sorry, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who weep. Sorry, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, what a powerful scripture, what a powerful verse. I wanted to read it in its entirety. I mean, we could keep reading, to be honest with you. Maybe one Sunday we should just do that. We should just come in here and we can just, we'll just read the book of Romans together and just let God's word wash over us and speak to us. That'd be awesome. Would you want to do it now? Well, I've got a sermon prepared, so we'll do it another time. <laughs> Too excited about that. But the truth is, it's important because often we stop at verses one and two. Do not be conformed to this world. You know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world. And we stop. But the author goes on because he's now saying, when you come into that place of being this sacrifice, being this place of uh, being this, this human being that's worshipping God, He's now saying this is how, actually how some of that worship is going to look like. And for a very temple-orientated crowd that primarily knew worship through the activity in the temple, the Apostle Paul is trying to help that church understand that worship is something that happens in the temple but it is also something that happens. It's something that happens inside of a building, but it is also something that happens out there in your everyday life. And so when you're persecuted, a part of your worship and what it's gonna look like, a part of your worship to Him is really whatever touches your hands as you connect it back to God by offering it to Him as an offering, it becomes worship to the name of Jesus. And so the, think about it, like your workplace all of a sudden becomes an environment like this. Our shopping centres, the conversations that you have, your living room all of a sudden doesn't need a keyboard and some singers and a band for it to be or it ought to be a Sunday morning to be worship. But the truth is, is that your environment, you have this wonderful opportunity. I have a wonderful opportunity to create an environment of worship wherever we go. And so Romans 12 is a really important passage of Scripture. Some theologians have said that the two verses of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 are possibly the most two important verses in uh, Paul's writings. Some have said, as I was reading it this week, that they're potentially some of obviously outside of the Gospels, but some of, they're probably the most important verses in the New Testament. It's pretty incredible. And so I want to do my best to really loosely exegete those two verses. And I want to talk to us today around what it means for you and I to uh, participate in New Testament sacrifice, okay? Can you bring in the goats? No, no, I'm just messing Paul starts with this idea where he, he says, I urge you, I urge you. I read it in a translation where it says, in the, the old the New King James, where it says, I beseech ye. I urge you, I urge you. Now I want you to understand that what this word urge is referring to is um, really, I suppose, the word picture to help define what this word means is, is kind of like, a coach or an older brother coming alongside and encouraging, it's, it's a, Paul uses this word over 50 times in his writings and it's like him coming alongside, it's like me coming alongside David and instead of kind of the version of leadership um, that we have displayed to us through the world where we, it's very hierarchical, right? And we have bosses and we have structures and we have all those things and there's nothing necessarily wrong with them. But Paul isn't doing that version of urging them of like, hey, David, come over here. 
He's actually doing that version where he is coming alongside. A bit like what he probably saw in the life of Jesus when Jesus came alongside some really broken human beings that had a yes in their heart to what God was doing and took them on a journey, kind of hand in hand, instead of this call from kind of, hey, you should be over here. It's this strong encouragement and it's so powerful that he would come along. So Moses, uh, in some of my readings this week, one of the statements that I came across was was this one. It says, Moses commands, the apostle exhorts. So the Old Testament leader, they kind of command, get over here, do this, do that, you should be doing here. This is what your worship should look like. Where our New Testament, uh, a New Testament leader is someone that comes alongside and says, I wanna bring you on this journey. And Paul is now saying this to the church in Rome. He's saying, I urge you. I'm, 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 he's urging his audience to offer themselves as a living sacrifice from the point of God's mercy. From the point of God's mercy. And it's phenomenal how he would do this. I urge you by the mercies of God. Can we put up? Um, the message translation, please, Mike. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God has done for you. The best thing, uh, sorry, embracing what God has done for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. There's a good question. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognise what He wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you and so where this whole journey of so last week we spoke about living out of our God-given identity and we were talking about that identity okay and we were we were laying out what that identity looks like and we've been doing that over a number of months and it's an important kind of message or concept or theme that we will continue to do because when you live out of your identity and you're securing God It doesn't matter what circumstances come, you can be in a place where your identity in Jesus doesn't shift and that's a really amazing place to be. Otherwise, you end up like these people that are just here, then there, then there, then there. But the next part of the equation, if you like, is what's next? So I know, I know I wanna change, but how do I do that? Where the heck do I even begin? I know I've got a, you know, whatever it is, I've got a this problem. Maybe it's connected to anger or maybe it's connected to some sort of addictive behaviour. Maybe, maybe it's a, um, may, maybe like Prem was saying this morning, maybe it's when you look in the mirror, you don't see something that's, that's worthy or that's valued or that's loved. And whatever it is, if you are anything like me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that there's a journey that God wants to take you on to be shaped and to be formed into the image of Jesus. And Paul, who has just spoken all of this doctrine and identity of who you are because of the finished work of Jesus, is now starting to unravel and answer the question of how you begin this journey. And what he's saying is, is the way that you begin this journey of deep transformation is that you've got to present yourself as a living sacrifice. So much so that the Apostle Paul is urging this church. He's encouraging them with all the encouragement he has within him to be a person that... uh, that, that offers themselves 
as this living sacrifice. And he doesn't just say, I want you to offer it in a living, as a living sacrifice. He says, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. And this statement is not talking about a specific mercy that just is, uh, yeah, is for something specific. Paul, when you understand Paul's background, we, we know that Paul was training and he was, he was in training. He was the two I see of, uh, of the Jewish church at the time. The Bible tells us that he studied at the feet of this dude called Gamaliel, not Gargamel, that was another guy, but Gamaliel, you know Gargamel? That was good. All right, thank you. Just, well, you didn't laugh that much, so I just wanted to explain the joke. Um, this guy was learned. He knew the law. He knew the history of ancient Israel. He knew about all of the, those people. He had an understanding of God's mercy. He believed wholeheartedly in the mercy of God. But, and so Paul's understanding here of God's mercy is like this historic understanding of it for ancient Israel. And now he sees God's mercy that it has been at work throughout God's redemptive plan for ancient Israel. He sees God's mercy as unfathomable. He sees God's mercy as endless. He sees God's mercy as entirely and completely powerful. And it is in this context and therefore that Roman Christians of Paul's current audience, and also us today are to present our bodies, present ourselves as sacrifices. And so one of the questions that I wanna ask you today before we start breaking down what New Testament sacrifice looks like, as opposed to Old Testament, because we're in a new covenant, I wanna ask, I wanna, um, I wanna invite you to ask a question around really what view you're doing things through. Because Paul's saying, you've got to do it in view of God's mercy. And so the question is just a simple one. In what view are you perceiving what you're doing? Is it a humanistic view? I know I've been in church environments where some of the things that I've said yes to or engaged in or done over the years, over 20 years of being um, on in kind of a church staff capacity. I've said yes to them, but really as the Holy Spirit in hindsight has shown me my heart, it's because I thought that there was another step up the Christian corporate ladder of opportunity and this and that. And Paul's saying, that's not the view by which I want you to be engaged in worship and sacrifice for me. Is it humanistic? Is it selfish? Is it, are you viewing how you sacrifice and how therefore how you worship God through your own current limitations? Well, I just don't have the time. Well, you're now viewing your worship through your own time. God's worth more than what we even think we can give Him. <laughs> Please hear my heart. This is not like an altar call at the end where we get volunteer forms out and ask you to sign up to be a volunteer, right? This is about your engagement with God on a daily basis. This is about in the muck and the mire and the nappy changing and the wandering around about where your kids are and, and, the, and the, in the mess of a redundancy or lack of a job or high interest rates or whatever the world is that you're in, God, Paul is urging you to continue to sacrifice, but do it in view of God's mercy. When you begin to realise that His mercy, that God's mercy is unending, it provides you with a certain amount of empowerment to make sacrifices and to live out the call of God for your life that go far beyond what is humanistically possible in your own strength. Why? Because you begin to lean in to the very power of the Holy Spirit. Because what if God is asking you into places to worship Him that are way outside of your own comfort? What if God's asking you to bring glory to His name in areas that you've never been before? 
The only way that I see for us to do it is to answer the Apostle Paul, that if he were to be asking us today, how are we sacrificing what we're doing it through? And we're doing it in view of God's mercy. We're not doing it, what the, the view that we're having is we're laying down the view of self. We're laying down the view of our own needs. We're laying down the view of our own um, desires. We're laying down the view of all those sorts of things. And we're saying, God, we want to worship You. And we're gonna do this through a view that understands that Your mercy is limited, is unlimited. And Paul was saying that we must take all of those views, all of those views. It's not saying that they're not important. I'm not trying to get us to live in this false reality of our faith. I'm not saying we deny that we're unwell and we, or deny that we don't have limitations. Acknowledge all of those things. But I'm also asking for us to continue to submit those things to the Lordship of Jesus. And continue to realise that our emotions, for example, are great indicators. They're great helps, but they're terrible leaders. I'm trying to help you to see that God can use circumstances, but our circumstance is a terrible decision maker. And so we must continue to have God's view, in view of God's mercy, right at the front. This whole passage of Scripture, these two verses specifically, are really around worship, and that's ultimately what I'm talking about. The Old Testament used this idea of sacrifice or um, different systems and ways of sacrificing, but ultimately it was about worship. And he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Um, This is your true and proper worship. And so let's just spend a bit of time now just, um, uh, let's spend a bit of time just talking about these four areas of Christian sacrifice. You ready? It's January, what's the date today? It's the, it's the 15th. And we're already talking about Christian sacrifice, praise the Lord. Now, one of the things that I want you to note about this is we're not sacrificing because there is a demand on us to sacrifice. Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament sacrifices in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we're so, not, so we're not doing it from the place of trying to attain something. We're actually doing it from a place of, like I said in my introduction, of worship. We're doing it from this place because we live out of this zone of, wow, What a wonderful opportunity that we get to be able to worship Him. Christians' uh, sacrifice in the Old Testament specifically was one of their primary ways of relating to God. It was was the way, realistically. A lot of it, they had a whole lot of different sacrifices. They had a whole lot of different feasts and kind of services and different things. And they would have different sacrifices for different things. And, and, uh, and we don't have time to unpack all of those this morning. But I want us to understand that when Paul is writing here and he's saying, um, I, want, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He's actually... Um, speaking to an audience that understand the Jewish sacrificial system. And so when he says, and we're reading it in the text a couple of thousand years later, when, when we read it, we read a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But when his audience read it, they knew that Paul was making a link to how the priests sacrificed in the temple. And so now Paul is trying to help them to see, like I believe the Word is trying to help us today, to see that the system has changed. The system has changed. And you and I, it's not that sacrifice and worship has been cancelled, but it's that the way that we do that is now shifted. So the first one that he, we, we're going to talk about really briefly is the sacrifice of whole self. 
If you go to Romans, you can skip over your page. Romans 15 verses 16 might actually be up there. Um, Romans 15, 16 says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. If another scripture about this sacrifice of whole self is, um, and I'm showing you how we worship, okay? I'm showing you and I how we can worship. Just stick with me for a moment, don't switch off. Second Corinthians 8, 5, it says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I find it fascinating in church life where people are trying to, like especially around the whole giving thing, tithes, is it New Testament? Is it Old Testament? Is it this or that? Um, I think the point is, is that when you understand worship, it's not even about 10%. Because all of you, all of who you are, is an offering to Him. And so God doesn't require 10%. He requires 100 And so this isn't a message on giving, you know that. Well, it's not a message on giving of money. It's a challenge to say, are there areas in my life where I'm not all in for Him? It's a challenge to for us to ask of our own hearts to say, well, am, am I all in and, and, and in, am I all in in the context of my worship to Him? And friend, the paradigm that I wanna completely smash is you and I drawing a parallel of our Sunday church involvement and using that to answer the question of whether we're all into Jesus or not. The question that I want you to be asking is pertaining to my life and all that I am, am I bringing it to God as an offering before Him? Is my life worship to Him? Am I positioning all of that I am, the sacrifice of whole self? And so what a challenging message or question to be asked at the start of the year. But if you're gonna be someone that goes on this, this journey of deep formation into the image of Jesus, it starts with you coming to this place of going, I am gonna give my whole self to Jesus. There's a lot of people I've seen over the years. I've been, at, I reckon, at times too, where we, where we love Him as our Saviour, but we stop yielding to Him as Lord. And I know this is big, it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging for me, hearing the words coming out of my own mouth because I can't help but start asking questions around, well, what does that mean for how I treat my family if I'm all in? What does that mean for the conversations I'm in? What does it mean for my work? What does that mean for my worship in the context of what Sunday services look like? It's the sacrifice of whole self. We don't have time to go back through all the Old Testament um, sacrifices and the parallels that they could draw. There's dozens of them. But I wanna talk about these specific offerings of sacrifice that um, we can see through Paul's writing. The second one is the living sacrifice. Christians must present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God. And in the old system of sacrifice, the animals were offered and they were dead. They were offered as dead, burnt offerings, etc., etc. Christians are to offer their bodies, all their members with their powers to God, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Romans chapter six, verses 13 and 19. I'm gonna scoot around my Bible a little bit this morning. I love this. This is one of my favourite verses in, um, or it's been a challenging one for me in the last couple of weeks. But Romans chapter six, we're gonna read verse 13. It says this. We're talking about a living sacrifice, okay? It says, and do not, do not present your members 
as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Another really big question for us to ask for this year. So you're wanting to go on that journey of change. Well, you've got to present your members. You've got to present yourself, your body, who you are as instruments of righteousness. I think a really easy way of rephrasing that statement is just saying, Lord, can you use this for your glory? And if so, do it. Is it your voice? Is it your encouragement? Remember, he goes on and he's like, if you can, if it's hospitality, use that. If it's singing, use that. If it's leading, do that. If it's giving, do it liberally. But present what you have and who you are to God. Number three, we're gonna race through this. Why don't you jump up, Cal, for us? We'll do that last song. The sacrifice of stuff. The sacrifice of stuff. Let's flip over over to Philippians chapter four. A couple of books over. Have I gone too far? Philippians four and verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am, have, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, right? So we're talking about stuff here. So someone gathered some of the church's possessions and they sent them as a gift or an offering to the Apostle Paul for the work of the kingdom. And he says, the things I sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply uh, supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ. You know, one of the greatest ways whether God, where, where like a good litmus test for us to know whether God has all of our heart is simply looking at what we have in our hand and saying, are we prepared to give it to Him? All of our stuff. <laughs> you know, I think one of the greatest challenges and I've haven't shared this recently, but I think one of the greatest challenges is even as a parent is taking those children that are in your hand and saying, Lord, they're actually yours. Sometimes you want to give them back. <laughs> but the truth is, is when you're in that moment, all I have is yours. All this stuff. Like ultimately, stuff's cool, but also can be worthless too. It's when we put our stuff in God's hand that God makes it into something supernatural. I don't want to get preaching right now, but I feel the Holy Spirit. It's when we allow and we lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit that He says, I want you to pick up that useless thing, that dead thing. I want you to pick up that jawbone of a donkey. That thing that you were told would make you unclean, I'm gonna use it. (laughs) I'm gonna use it to slay a thousand men. Because in your hand, it's just a rotting jawbone. But when you lay it down to God, it becomes something powerful. The cross, many people died on the cross. Obviously they weren't Jesus, but many people died on the cross. But the cross, this is why the Bible says that the blood of martyrs cries out. Because when that life is yielded to God as a gift to Him, something powerful happens even in death. And so I wonder what you have today in your hand. (laughs) I wonder what stuff you have that God's just getting ready to use. I wonder what what, what you've got. And so life and a part of worship, worship and sacrifice are two really interchangeable words. 
And so at times, if you thought that worship was always gonna be easy, you misread the Bible. Sometimes, in my experience, the best worship is found in the one that you didn't wanna give, but you did anyway. And the last one is spiritual sacrifices. We don't have time to get into it, but this is talking about our gifts and our graces. God, 1 Peter 4, 5 is a good scripture for you to read around that. Talks about offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And so my ultimate question today, I'm trying to urge you today to present yourself as a sacrifice before God. He is worthy. And the human that you're sitting next to is worth it. The empty seat that's around you that someone could be filling, that person, that person that's at home, that person that's in your workplace, that enemy, that person that's a pain in the rear end, can you say that in church? person have you read like remember we read do we need to read all of Romans 12 again we don't because we need to go and have coffee but remember how it's telling you like love enemies don't curse them don't do that what's he saying he's saying you got you that that this is a part of sacrifice it's a part of worship it's a part of understanding that you are now the one that's bringing the kingdom of God to earth the way you do that is through your worship to Him. God takes, if we give it to Him, the ordinary thing and makes it something so powerful. Whether it's washing the dishes, you know, have you, have, has anyone heard the latest Bethel album? This is one part where they're in like free worship and she's like, says something about using worship when I'm doing the dishes sort of thing or even the dishes are worshipped to you. I first heard that and I was like, okay. I can't tell her to get a dishwasher because anyway, that's another personal story. (laughs) Then I read this verse and I was like, everything that we offer to Him can be worshipped. That's what do you got to give Him? In your work, in your family, in your relationships, in this moment, what have you got to give Him? Can we stand? We're going to pray. Lord, we want to grow in our ability and our understanding of worship. We want to know what it is to be able to do that. Lord, and way beyond my ability to articulate what I'm saying, really what I'm hoping is is that we would create a culture and an environment where you are worshipped. I'm praying that we would create a culture, not just in this room on a Sunday, but Lord, you would help us to understand and, and to create that culture in our homes, with our families, with our kids. In, our, in the relationships that we're in. I'm, I'm praying, it's my prayer for, for this church community that You would help us, that You would teach us to be worshippers, to be those that willingly lay down and sacrifice, become the living sacrifice, become the living sacrifice and worship You and bless You and so in this moment, in this, in this brief moment before we wrap up this service, Lord, we just wanna bless Your Name. We wanna lift up Your Name. Help us and teach us to be worshippers. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to be worshippers in every area of our life. Help us to be people, Father, that truly see the presence of God fill every facet of our life. Help us, Jesus. 
And Lord, change us. I think what I want to do this morning as we close, I want to um, invite some of our prayer team and um, some of our team to come down and help me with this. But we're going to kind of dismiss the service. Um, But I also feel like there's, there's something, God's knocking on the door of people's hearts today. And I feel that there are people that um, God's asking you, you've not withheld, but you haven't willingly given. Uh, you haven't willing, willingly given or offered, say, your job or some gift or something of yourself, or maybe it's your whole self to Him in worship. And I sense that the Lord's just inviting you to do that And so you might want prayer, you might just want to come and worship. If you want prayer, just maybe go up to someone um, on our team that's going to come and stand up here somewhere. Um, But if not, and you want to respond, say, actually, I want to bring this. I need to bring my money. I need to bring my talent. I need to bring my relationship. I need to bring my whatever. I want you to just wander out of your seat right now. And I want you to just come. Just as we sing this, Jesus be the centre. I want you to just come and just bring it to Him and just spend some time with the Lord saying, Lord, here I am. And I'm bringing a sacrifice today. I'm bringing a worship to you today. So would you do that? Would you do that? If that's you, just come. Come on, we don't muck around here. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. bring it afresh to you today in just worship my whole life yes some of you God's calling you to bring your whole life Let the Lord move on you today.